We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 169. Don't you just love the equestrian industry? I feel like it creates a community that you can make friends with people that you never thought you'd be friends with, whether it's um, people from across the country or the world or people that you're just so different from, but you have that common bond of loving horses, loving the equestrian community and the industry and just the sport as a whole, that everything else just kind of falls into place. Well, this guest is definitely one of those girls. She lives completely the other side of the country, but we have become great friends. She was actually one of the first attendees of the equestrian workshop in 2019 with an idea that she had in her head that has now become an incredible reality and is an amazing option for equestrians to get super fashionable and super affordable equestrian apparel. That is Solid Citizen Equestrian, which started in 2020 and is now just about to drop its third capsule. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Megan Cameron Muscarella. I feel like we have known each other forever, even though that's not the case. It's only been since like 2019. But I just love watching all the things you're doing, whether it's your riding or your clothing line. But I just, I would love to kind of just start from the beginning and have you share with everyone how you first kind of found yourself in the equestrian world. Okay, awesome. Well, I rode as a kid, I rode about until six, until I was about 13, just entering high school, rode up into like the equitation as as things started getting a little bit more serious and things started getting a little bit more expensive. I just kind of found me and my family just kind of found ourselves wondering how we were going to sustain this hobby of mine. Yeah. And so I kind of, instead of pushing through that tough spot, I just let my parents have a little bit of a break and took a step back and um, yeah, got back into riding on my own after seeing my trainer's daughter at a wedding. I beelined it to her and I was like, Zoe, is that you? And I went up and I took a lesson and I've just been hooked ever since. What was that like for you after taking, how many years was that? Like over 10 yeah, it was like 12, I think. It was wow. 12. What was that like for you from like first just talking to her to then going back and taking lessons? What kind of went through your head during that? Do you, do you kind of remember that first lesson that you had? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember every single detail. I remember <laughs> calling my mom and telling my mom, I'm going to go back to Fields and I'm going to take a lesson. I'm just going to trail ride though. It's not going to be anything serious. And my first lesson, Zoe, of course, had me like jump a jump. And after that first jump, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember this. And I, after I was walking around, I was like, Zoe, I remember how to get a horse to use its body and like get him into a frame. But can you remind me? And <laughs> after feeling that too, I was like, okay, I need to do this. 
as much as possible. Yes. So from going to, you know, you were a kid, you know, relying on your parents to be able to do the sport as, as much as you were able to, then to being an adult and, you know, for the most part, like supporting yourself and your own hobbies and things. How, what was that like for you then kind of coming to the realization that it, like, wow, like I knew this was expensive when I was little, but like now it's coming out of your paycheck. Like how was that just like crazy to you or what was that process like? I think it was crazier to my husband. I think I had to like set him down and, you know, explain to him that I was going to half lease a horse for like $1,500 a month. And he was like, what, what, what? Yeah. I think that was like, that was difficult, but I, I pretty much knew and you know, inflation, everything did get a little bit more expensive, but I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. And I kind of felt a sense of like pride being able to pay for it on my own though and independence. So that was kind of cool, even though it is so expensive, it's what makes me like full. It makes me the happiest. Mm -hmm. So for my husband too, it's like seeing me so happy and fulfilled. It's kind of makes the pain of writing that check every month worth it. Totally. And talk a little bit about your professional career because I think it's super unique and something that I think that was definitely a big part of what got you to doing what you are today with Solid Citizen. Yeah. So I started off modeling as a kid and as I got older, it was harder for me to stay that model figure size. And it was pretty tough on me mentally and emotionally. And I went into a casting one day for a denim brand and they asked me if I had ever done fit modeling before. And when I heard the question, I was like, no, I'm not really a fitness girl. They were like, no, 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 not fitness modeling, like fit modeling. They asked if they could measure me. And as a model, that's like taboo. You don't want to be measured. And so I was a little hesitant at first, and then they took my measurements and told me that I was really ideal size to be a fit model and kind of took me under their wing. And then from there on, I got an agent and started fitting. So what a fit model does is I'm essentially the size of a mannequin. Each brand has an ideal body type that they like to fit off of based on customer feedback and their ideal target specs. And from those target specs, they grade the size up and down. And so I'm a base size small and my measurements can evenly grade up to a double XL and it can go as low as um, a triple extra small. And through that, I've just learned so much about like fabrics and fits and kind of how to run the business in all aspects, even like beyond fitting, just, you know, how to do a calendar and how to run a social media account and all all sorts of everything that makes up our modern day clothing, clothing company kind of from there. Yeah. I think that I think that answered the question. Yeah, it's, I think it's just so unique because I think a lot of people who aren't in the modeling or the fashion industries, like I mean, I remember when meeting you and being like, "Wait, wait, what? What type of model? Like, what is it?" And I feel like you have to explain that probably to a lot of people. But it's so cool um, because you kind of act as like a 
consultant to these brands, offering them your feedback of how stuff fits. And I mean, I feel like you've been doing it for so long that you are, you know, you're not just a, a human mannequin. You are really giving a lot of feedback to these brands. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting because now we're getting into the days of having avatars and body scanning models. And I have several mannequins made of me, but the mannequins that are that I have, you know, floating around, they don't talk back. They don't give you those critical feedback points that really help make a fit, you know, a, a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So as you were getting back into riding and doing it in a bigger way, it seemed like you started developing more relationships with other riders and people in the industry and kind of growing that equestrian community for yourself. And then you decided or you you had kind of had an idea. So talk a little bit about where you were at with that before when kind of solacism was just an idea. Yeah, so I'd come back uh, to writing. I needed all new clothes. My 13-year-old breeches weren't going to fit me anymore. And so I went out and I bought a I bought a whole wardrobe and I realized, wow, like this this stuff has gotten really really expensive. Yeah, um, I feel like when we were kids, like breeches were like maybe 100 to 120 dollars. And yeah. I like I even remember back then I'm like, "Oh man, these are so expensive." And now it's yeah. like, "Man, I would kill for that now." <laughs> yes, right? I mean, I feel like only a handful of brands have been able to keep that price that price point and still totally. do it. So yeah, I felt like there was something I could do and it, but then it was just it was still just an idea and then as I was growing my community, which I think is just so important, the sport is just, you know, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, you really do need a support system. And so as I was building that and hearing from more women in the area and just hearing what their pains were, you know, shopping and I was like, wait, you know, I think I really can, I can do something here and I can use my connections and I can use my resources and I can use everything that I've cut this web that I've kind of built over the past nine years of my life to kind of create something special and keep it, keep the quality, but keep it at a price point that I think is more attainable. And, you know, we're already paying for so much from vet bills to training to horse showing. I really wanted people to be able to, everyone to be able to afford it, you know, and I didn't want to exclude or cater to, to anyone specifically. Yeah. I think that that is, such a big um, pain point in our industry and something that I feel like you definitely hit the nail on the head. And then you started Solid Citizen with the first capsule in 2019, correct? No. It was was 2020. That's right. Of course it was 2020. (laughs) 2020. Everyone was Uh, like, you are absolutely nuts. You're crazy. Why are you doing this? And I was like, I just have a feeling and mm -hmm. I just ran with it. Yeah, because we met in 2019. That's what it was. We met at the workshop 2019. And it was at that point, it was still, you know, an idea and something that you were hoping to do in the future. And tell me a little bit about, you know, you obviously you have immense experience in the fashion industry, but you know, new 
a whole new endeavor just having it be specific to the equestrian space. So tell me a little bit about the process from starting really from the ground up, both through social media and through your brand development and a launch plan. What was that whole process like for you and and how long did, how much time did you give yourself um, before launching the first capsule? So I really gave myself about a year before launching. I mean, the fit process takes three to four months. And then when you tack on everything else that, you know, you just explained, that was the daunting part for me. The fashion stuff, I was, I felt comfortable and I felt at home, but it was the brand strategy and the launch strategy and, and even just down to the little things like sourcing bags and tags and it the whole logistics side of it was a whole was something I was really unfamiliar with. And really, I mean, going to the workshop and hearing from you and Leah and all the girls that were there, I learned, I learned a lot. And that's when I really started to work on the business side of things and make a layout and a plan and a roadmap. And from there, I think it, yeah, I think it was about a year in total though. What was the first item that you designed or drew out or remember kind of like dreaming up from the first capsule? Well, the first item was the, the, my first sketch was the Jessica. I was, I, getting back into writing, I just wanted to learn as much as I can. I wanted to like just immerse myself because there was so much that I knew, but also so much that I'd forgotten. And so, or I was I think I was either listening to a podcast or I was reading an interview from Jessica Springsteen on her favorite top, her favorite writing top. And she had set, mentioned loving her boyfriend's writing top and that it was like cool and airy and it had a nice fit to it. And from there, I started dreaming about the Jessica and the name and the fit, having it be like an oversized, but still pretty like have still have structure to it, a fabric that could stretch that you could take from the office to the barn and kind of just like this transitional piece. And that was the first sketch. And that was, uh, that was the first kind of like, whoa, big picture. Yeah. Seeing sketch, seeing kind of it come to life in my mind. Totally. Something else that I love about all of your pieces is the versatility with the sizing. I just feel like something that makes Solid Citizen so unique is that like I I have several of your pieces and I even have multiples that like that I'll have like a smaller and extra small in but then I'll also have it in a medium and large because I like how it fits like the oversized version of it too. But I think that that's so unique to find in a fit of an article of clothing that it looks obviously different with the different sizing, but it looks equally well. It looks like it still was completely fit to my body in the larger oversized fit. It's just like, like how, how did you do that? <laughs> that is the beauty of grading and having like a really solid base in that. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me because I, really I really worked hard on that. And also just trying to have a piece for every body type. I think that's really important. We're all shaped differently. We're all, you know, either tall or short or have long arms or short arms. And I really wanted every piece 
to kind of work for everybody. I knew every piece wasn't going to work for everybody, but to have at least one piece in each capsule that really kind of caters towards, towards that girl, you know? Yeah, totally. And then tell me a little bit about, because I think another pain point that you had and that a lot of us equestrians have is the price point, because I feel like your price points are very friendly and like very attainable. And I think you probably see that too with your, with your clients and the people who buy your pieces that they're not just necessarily buying one, but you have several people who will buy the whole capsule or, you know, but they're able to because it's not like each piece is, you know, $500. Yeah. That's really cool. I love when people buy something and then they come back for more and then they're like, I should have just bought the whole capsule in my first. (laughs) Yeah. Really fun. But I think that just, I've been able to do that because of kind of some of the knowledge that I've gained from being in the industry and cutting out the middleman and having, working with people that I have worked with for so many years that want to see me succeed and that I've been able to help so much with their companies. And so they're just kind of returning the favor and pointing me in the right direction, which I'm super, that's what I, that's how I've been able to, you know, hit the price points while Mm -hmm. using the same fabrics or using even fabrics I find to be a little bit more substantial. Totally. Yeah, that and that's the thing. It's like you see the price point and it's like awesome, but like uh, you know, right? right? <laughs> you you can't help but to be a little hesitant. And but then I got your pieces and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this stuff feels so nice, and it feel it feels like I am getting some sort of crazy deal because it really does feel like it should be, you know, like five times the price. Thank you. I I've gotten that a couple of times. Like, uh, trying to be humble. I've gotten that a lot and it was, it's, it's really awesome. That's why I'm doing this. You know, I really want, I really wanted something that could be attainable and still feel luxurious and still feel like something special and unique. Taking a little break because I am so excited to talk about our sponsor today, Jiv Athletics. Have you heard of them? They provide women the comfort and confidence they deserve within everyday athletic wear, which all starts with what's underneath. Jiv Athletics is an athletic undergarment company that specializes in performance underwear for women. Not only does Jiv Athletics offer ultra premium quality, their undergarments are breathable, wickable, tagless, roll-free, and camel toe proof. Inspired to end constant underwear tugging during a workout or a ride, Jiv Athletics creates undergarment pieces to fit to make wearing yoga pants or breeches all the more comfortable. Using breathable luxe fabrics, this woman-owned brand understands the importance of eliminating unsightly silhouettes with a patent-pending 3D mold spacer that blurs the lines between tech and fashion. I just recently got my first pair of Jiv Athletics underwear and it is the most incredible pair of underwear that I have ever owned. I give all my thoughts and some more information about Jiv Athletics over on my lifestyle page, my equestrian style. But if you want to check out more information and the products that they have, head over to their website at jivathletics.com. That's J-I-V-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S.com. Thank you so much, Jiv Athletics. You are amazing, and I cannot wait to see you more and more in the horse community. All right, let's head back to the episode. 
tell me what the name Solid Citizen means to you and why you decided to name your clothing line that. Bethany, are you trying to make me cry? Yes, I am. So when I got back into riding, you know, my I my body is my job. My my I can't get I when I started it was like I can't fall off. I can't do this. I was a little nervous at first. And then my trainer, you know, she came up to me and she's like, we need to find you a solid citizen. You need just a solid citizen that's going to help you get your feet back. And so we found my solid citizen and that was Rico. And I, he took me from cross rails all the way up into the meter 15s. And he was just that for me. I could count on him. He was always reliable and he really just, he never he never let me down. And so as I was starting the brand, I I was thinking about all of these different names. And it was one day I was on a train in Italy with my husband. He was doing a fitness competition. I remember just thinking like, solid citizen, solid citizen equestrian. Like, why haven't I thought of like, why, why have I been thinking of all these other names? Like yeah. solid citizen, like Rico, like an outfit that you can always count on, you know, that was, would be reliable. That'd make you feel good. That would support you. That, you know, wasn't, didn't break the bank. So yeah, that's how I got solid citizen. And it was really hard because in 2020, I had also kind of grown out of my solid citizen and I was launching this business and you know he started the idea and it was really hard to say goodbye to him and yeah but he he's a solid citizen for somebody else who's really close and has become a great friend and I'm really happy that he gets to you know live on with her and do that teaching he loved, he loved to be a teacher. He was a true solid mm. citizen. So it's like once I was past that and I was teaching him new tricks, he was like, Hey, <laughs> so um, he found his Jacqueline has her solid citizen now. So love it. Oh, I love it. That always gives me chills when you talk uh, about Rico. Cause I know that that was a really tough transition for you and, you know, maybe a horse that you thought you were going to have forever. And uh-huh. it's so cool to hear how, it has really, you know, he's really come full circle and he's able to be that for someone else. And that really is his true identity. And so I think that was amazing of you as a horse owner to let him continue to um, live out what he is really good at. Thank you. It was a hard decision, but ultimately I wanted what was best for him. And he got that. He lives in Oregon and he has grass pastures and he's in the turnout all day long and he's just living his best life. That's so cool. I love that. Tell me a little bit about an area of the industry that you're super passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. You know, Bethany, getting back into riding and showing and everything, I feel like these riders, they don't give themselves enough grace and they don't give each other enough grace. And, you know, at one point in time, we were all just a little a horse girl that fell in love with a pony one day. And, you know, we all have chipped and we've all gone long and we've all had our horses get hurt and we've all we've all gone through we've all gone through it together and yeah I just feel like we all need to just give each other more grace in that and in 
moving on and and growing. And, you know, I think that it's kind of like taboo when a barn mate leaves and goes to another barn and it's like something, oh, we can't say hi anymore. It's like, no, like we've all gone through these memories together. We've all leaned on each other and supported each other. And yeah, I just, I think like grace and just like understanding and just compassion for one another. I think this sport could be such a safer place mentally for these young girls if they all just kind of step other shoes a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's a really good, great point. And not obviously not just young girls too. I mean, I feel like even <laughs> get, girls that are getting closer to their thirties and forties like me and you, but, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I think that that's so, such a good point. And even just the idea of like, oh my gosh, like just because someone chips once in a while doesn't make th- like, you know, I feel like all, all of a sudden they become you know, right. They're not as good. They're a terrible writer. Or like what you were saying, it's, it can also be self-inflicted. Like I'm not good enough for this. I can't do this. Or I, I don't want to have anyone watch me in case I do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, it's such a intimidating aspect of our sport that I feel like if it were, you know, less of a big deal because in and, and every, anyone will say it without like the heat of the moment. Everyone will say, oh yeah, everyone chips. Like it's not a big deal. But when the rubber meets the road and you either see that or experience it or a barn mate does it or you do it and people are watching or whatever, it's just, yeah, I really agree with you. I think it's something that in our little niche of hunter jumper land that things like a chip should not be as end of the world as they currently are no not at all it's just a part of it and you see like the best of the best trainers you know doing it and the best of the it's just it's just a part of it it's gonna happen and just give yourself and give your horse grace in those moments and everyone has such big dreams and aspirations you know and these show circuits and can put so much pressure on themselves and I don't know I just think we're better off together and sharing sharing in that together because the girl right next to you is having all the same feelings and all the same nerves, whether or not she shows it or not, or, you know, she's worked past it and she's moved on from that and working through something else. You know, we've all been there and yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a kid. It doesn't matter if you're an adult. I've seen it everywhere, but I just, I, I, I'm really, something I've become more passionate about since getting further along in this writing journey and this show journey and kind of moving up. I definitely have become more, more of an advocate for that. Mm -hmm. Where, because you also went through, you know, kind of all in similar timeframes, a new barn and a new trainer and a new horse and new uh, division. So how was that transition for you, even just moving up classes with a horse that you were still getting used to and a training program that you were getting used to? Yeah. I mean, I was really lucky that I got grace from others, but it was, it was tough. I mean, I was used to Rico and he was, you know, steady Eddie and Corey is the love of my life, but she is a spicy little, little mare. And (laughs) it was difficult, you know, learning her buttons and kind of just learning how to flow with her and let things kind of be her idea. But 
yeah, it was, I, I was lucky. I had, I had a lot of grace, but, you know, just kind of being open and, and being open to everything that came, being open to what my new trainer had to say and being open to all of her suggestions and also being new and, and knowing that things were, were getting done and handled a little differently from when I was a kid and not having my mom to advocate for me and having to be my own advocate and also having to be my horse's advocate as well was something that I had to kind of adjust to and kind of learn, just kind of, yeah, navigate. That was something that was pretty difficult for me, like behind the scenes, I think. Mm -hmm. And just having friends that I could like lean on, I think is so important. Going back to like having your community and never, never not learning, never not investigating on your own. And yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I think that community is definitely one of the immediate solutions to, you know, I guess, I guess what stems from insecurity and where those kind of like negative emotions towards others might come from or jealousy or whatever it may be. Having a group of people that you can be real with and feel okay to ask the dumb questions or, you know, ask for advice or things like that. Because I think kind of stemming from what you were saying, I think there's a lot of areas in the industry that people don't talk about or don't ask about just in fear of looking silly or looking like they don't know as much as they should. And in reality, this is su- this is like a major sport of so many intricacies that you'll talk to some of the top professionals that, you know, have been in the profession for, been in the sport for decades and decades and will still say that they're, they're still learning things. And to think that that's, you know, where where we could be at one day and how much knowledge that we will gain over, you know, the, the following decades and just, yeah, just having that humility and grace for yourself and grace for others that, you know, Hey, we're all learning. Like no one needs to pretend that they have all the answers. And I think that if that, when, when we do do that, I think that that puts our horses not in the best care because we start making assumptions and we start, you know, pretending we know things that we don't. And I I think that for our sport to continue and for us to be, you know, to be a positive and encouraging environment, I think just that openness and having that community that you can have those conversations is uh, definitely needed. Yeah, definitely. And, and everyone, everyone's way of doing things is is right you know in their own respect and yeah. so it, it's it, everything you said yeah definitely I think it's so interesting too and I think a lot of it has to do with our sport just doesn't have a lot of data behind it and you think about like any other like you know your husband is involved in um, the fitness world that has you know tons and tons of data or any other major you know football basketball any, any big sport has so much data I think I remember someone telling me that like some like an Olympic runner who does I, I don't know a lot about running but like the 100 meter or whatever that I think it was Usain Bolt who's like what like the fastest runner ever in history that if you train something like it was like a one percent or something different than than like anyone else that he competes against there's just this like monumental difference still in his overall skill but then you look at the equestrian sport and they're 
are literally from program to program to program and barn to barn to barn, you see so many differences, like whether it is the prep or the medication or the type of ride or the type of bit or the type of saddle or, you know, the, it just every single thing has so many different variations that it seems like that's another part that, you know, that you get that mentality that it's like, well, the way that our program does it is the best way. When in reality, it's like, there's really not enough data to back up which way is the best way at this point. Yeah. I just feel like if I see somebody doing something differently, I I just want to know like, what is that? Like, how does that, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of like, oh, well, I don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. You know, it's like, no, let's just like turn and just ask the question and flip the narrative and just learn from each other, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. I love that. I think that that's a a really good reminder. Looking forward, what are your plans and what are some of your goals for not only your riding personally, but also for Solid Citizen? Ooh, so my riding goals, I'm really trying to get a blue ribbon in the meter 20s. I really want to get a championship in the meter 20s as well. I want to I try color really bad. Those are my riding goals. And then with Solid Citizen, I'm launching Holiday soon, Capsule 3. And I really just, I would love to start going to horse shows and setting up booths. And I, I... I'm doing things direct to consumer, so I don't want to do wholesale, but I just want to travel more with the, with the brand and kind of meet more people that have been a kind of a part of this journey and supporting it because the capsules are limited. You know, I don't have vesters, uh, all savings from me working. My parents don't support it. So with every capsule, I've been able to just grow a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'm really hoping to hire on some people to help me with strategy because this is, this is all, uh, it's all done by my husband and I, aside aside from our factory, it's, it's just me running everything. So this year I'm really hoping to kind of hire on somebody to help with accounting and maybe customer service, just some of the things that are a little bit overwhelming for me to handle. Totally. Yeah. I love it. I'm so excited for capsule three because <laughs> one and two have been incredible. So I am just, oh, I cannot wait. I think um, it's going to be really special. I think uh, it's, it's definitely my favorite so far. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, it, it's good. It's good. I really, yeah, it makes me smile. I have like a huge grin on my face right now. <laughs> when, so when does that become available? So I'm shooting for, I really want, last year I got in trouble, I got like into trouble with a uh, holiday because everybody wanted, wanted, wanted the product, but my inventory I had sold out. So I'm really hoping to have everything October, November in-house so I can start shipping then for love it. holiday. Amazing. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait. Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share a little bit of your story and how you got to where you are today. I love you and Solid Citizen, and I seriously wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Bethany. Keep doing everything you're doing. I'm always so inspired by you. And yeah, thank you. 
All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.